0: Shake Them Ropes. It's the Thursday show. My name is Chris Novanbrino. I am joined by Jeff Hawkins. Jeff, how are you doing?
1: Wait, who, who's this?
0: It's Chris. Wait, wait. Where, 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 where were you Hi. Tuesday, Chris? I was reading the book you sent me, the one about sparking joy. And, oh, and let okay. me just say, that I'm finding really an inner peace, a warmth even, like a blanket for my heart
1: i'm not sure if anybody listened to me on tuesday but i did a solo show i was about the main roster i had a few rants in there other than that i'm doing fine i'm uh trying to get to the weekend that's all i'm trying to do
0: yeah so we will do a review of money in the bank i am still taking a break from on smackdown and that is uh that's basically going to be until the wild card is a thing of the past um where would you like to begin today?
1: I'm uh, going to do a little bit of a wrap-up and some news here. And I'm going to, you know, because I don't have a lot of strong thoughts on any of these three shows. I, I was thinking about something in the shower, and I'll be part of this news. So uh, get get ready to try and uh, try and explain some things. Or, this is uh, a shower thoughts a podcast lunch. now. Yeah, it was a shower thought. It was literally a shower thought. Um, former WWE talent Ashley Mazzaro was found dead. Um... Details to be released. She was 39 years old, died in her home in Suffolk, New York. Uh, Ric Flair taken to the hospital for a quote-unquote procedure. Um, Some said it was serious, some didn't. Seems to be doing okay. I believe they were just replacing his pacemaker, which they probably wanted done before he got on a plane, because my dad has had a similar type of incident. Uh, no word yet if the roast has been affected. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about the roast after it's finished. Because I'm, uh, tangentially involved, possibly, in it. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, uh, Alexa Bliss has been declared medically unable to compete. She is not going to be in Money in the Bank. Taking her place, and it makes sense story wise, Nikki Cross, who was on Raw this past week. So, it's going to be Nikki Cross taking Alexa Bliss's place against, let's see, who's, who's in this thing? Uh, <laughs> Bailey, Ember Moon, Mandy, uh, and on the Raw side, well, uh, we know who's. Uh, I, I, we know, I had my Money in the Bank preview on Tuesday. I'm not going to do it by ear today, but uh, let's get into this shower thought. AEW today announcing that they will be on Tuesday nights on TNT television in primetime. Here was my thought, Chris. I'm I'm increasingly a little frustrated. I know primetime is where the money is, the big money is. But I would have liked for one of these companies who decide that they want to run in primetime automatically to instead start where a lot of the nostalgia is, and maybe in that early evening of Saturday night slot.
0: Oh, the 6:05 oh, okay. Eastern. Slot. Okay.
1: Because I'm 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 going to go through this. When I was a kid, if I mean you're you're about 10 to 15 years younger than I am. So your peak is kind of the Nitro Monday Night Wars era as you were coming of age in yes. wrestling. Yes. I started watching wrestling in around the mid-80s. I was never allowed as a kid to go to a house show when the NWA came to town for the most part because it was on a Tuesday or Thursday night, depending on where it was. And my parents are like, You have school tomorrow. You can't be out that late. Raw and SmackDown, if they're running on the East Coast, they start around 7 o'clock at night and around midnight. If you have gone to the arena and parked, or if you're taking public transportation, you're not getting home for another hour. You're out till almost one in the morning on a school night. Now, back in the day, like the WWF would tape on Saturday afternoons. they do a mega taping of five hours. I don't want that necessarily. But if you've noticed the demographics changing of professional wrestling and who's a fan, the younger demographic has shrunk dramatically. And I think... You know, while, you know, there aren't many stars and it's not cool anymore and other things like that, I think.
0: But the other part is the women demographic has shrunk dramatically. Yes. And Saturday night, they're a lot more likely to be at the show than they are during the weeknight.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, in Texas, world class taped on Friday nights. So you could do yeah. so, you know, yeah. Same that thing. was the cool Date place Date night and
0: you can also bring your yeah. kids.
1: I think they're. I don't want ch- I don't want a product targeted towards children. Don't get me wrong. I don't want that. I don't want, you know, the WWF of, say, was it 1994, 1995, where you had, you know, clowns and trash men and hockey players. I don't want that anymore. But I think some regard has to be given to an accessible time where all ages can watch. And I think one of the reasons why most of your wrestling audiences are 20, 30, and 40-something men in black shirts with graphics on it is because of the move to prime time over the last 20 years or so.
0: Yeah, and I also just think the product and the product's target audience has changed a little bit. I Ironically, when you make something that's targeted for children – children don't like it as much because what children want is something that feels like it's dangerous It's for someone older yeah right it's older than them right it's dangerous exactly like this is for adults even if it's not actually for adults but
1: that's saturday evening 605 eastern time period like during college football it's when you know the, uh, the late afternoon game is starting to wind down and the primetime game hasn't started yet and most channels have switched over to news or highlight shows You're I mean, back in the day the syndicated shows hadn't started yet in terms of Star Trek and whatnot primetime hasn't started you're, you're not out and about necessarily unless you're at dinner with your family if you're on the east coast it's still the middle of the afternoon
0: yeah, it's right and you're hanging de- out with real... your friends if you're a kid yeah, right. it's a
1: real dead time and I, I think that's that's a nice sweet spot that they that someone should explore one of these days to see if it would work. I don't know if it will in the in this kind of climate. I, I just don't. But it was just something that just kinda of came to me where I'm just like come nobody goes into that Saturday dead time that just no you know, you're not ready to go out in the club yet. You might be pre gaming, you're not out at dinner, you're not watching any sport, there's nothing on, so you're trying to find a movie or something to stream that'd be the time for wrestling i think but uh
0: what do you think about them running on monday night on tnt and just going no, up against vince no, right now? no no why not
1: i just i i think um market share being what it is it's an uphill climb i'm sure you know
0: vince's product is so dead and also so long at this point
1: they're already touring for I mean AEW is going to be touring with these shows I think they're starting a little too big in my opinion I do I think they're going I think they're going a little bit
0: too I'm making a devil's advocate argument right now I think Tuesday is actually not a bad well, slot Well now for it's them, not going to but... be because
1: by the time they get there Smackdown will have moved to Friday
0: Yeah that's true too I hadn't thought about that so that really does open up a nice little slot for it them It does
1: but at the same time you know, if it's a pay-per-view weekend and you've watched Sunday four hours of pay-per-view and you've watched Monday Night Raw because of habit, if you have the...
0: Well, I think you run on TNT to get the stumble upon factor. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I'm saying is is if you're in primetime and you're doing TNT, you're doing TNT in primetime to get people who are flipping through the channels and like, oh, whoa, wrestling's on?
1: Yeah, I guess so. I think Tuesday is still also an NBA night for them. I'm not positive on that. I think Thursday's their big one, but Tuesday I thought was their minor
0: one. Thursday they're on TNT. Usually it's Wednesday is the big night.
1: Oh, okay. I I don't see. Yeah, you know, you this is some. I'm going, I going I'm going on what I used to know, and it used to be Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday
0: are the big multi-game nights. Thursday is TNT. Okay. And so there are like fewer games but they get the TNT national coverage.
1: But so so TNT doesn't run basketball on Tuesdays anymore? No. Okay. Uh well that's my rant for AEW. Um I again, none of these shows really spoke to me. There were a couple moments on
0: I don't know. You got a lot of Leguero this week and I know you're excited oh, to talk about goodness.
1: that. I, I that kid works his ass off. I will never. I, I will never trash
0: his. He definitely tries. Yes. It's just not capturing my attention at all.
1: Right, and you know they just they well he's the uh, Le Leishian,
0: the, the Luchador from, from Leeds. Leeds,
1: and that's all you know about him. I mean, they did a bit of a graphic on uh, on two hundred five, which was very nice. And he had a video package
0: him. thing. Yeah, it was the same thing. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I'm from Shall Leeds. we start with
1: 205? Um yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. So Umberto Carrillo defeated Jack Gallagher, Mark Andrews and James Drake in a fatal four-way match. This was a nice use of some of the NXT UK guys. Like I really like Mark Andrews. I'd like to see Mark Andrews on this two oh five live roster. I, I think he gets underutilized james drake i don't know that he needed to be in this match i i actually didn't like him being slotted here
1: yeah he, he kind of stuck out to me a bit i i yeah. like yeah mark andrews is a guy i i mean <laughs> that dude has such fun matches every time i've gone to see him live he, he goes to tna he does some great matches there he gets signed by this nxt uk brand he's kind of been the he's he's the bailey of nxt uk
0: yeah, yeah, no, he's he's fun, man. I I liked this match. This was a cool match. You, you know, felt like low stakes, especially when, you know, it's either Jack Gallagher or Umberto. Well, that's Carrillo where that's what the story, match. the story was. The story was the
1: Umberto Jack thing. So, but I'm glad they put Umberto over too.
0: Yeah, I'm on board with that as well. And then what else happened here? Oh, we had Aria Davari in a tanning bed.
1: <laughs> uh, we we had the aforementioned. Um, uh, uh Liguero versus Tony Nice in a match right. to set to basically set up the angle for Aria Davari to clock Tony Nese and oh my god will Tony Nese be able to recover before the title match on Sunday.
0: The crowd went mild for this match. This just died a slow death. I don't I mean both these guys highly competent. You can't say that Liguero doesn't work, but he doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't it doesn't click at least for me. And and I find that a lot of times this guy is working overtime to get half the return.
1: Yeah. Um sorry my mic went out for a moment there. Uh I I he he does great moves, but the crowd isn't going to get involved. He doesn't connect yeah, he with doesn't them. Connect.
0: Because of his the mask covers too much of his face. Exactly. So, Animals even ridiculous. when he tries to, sp- yeah, well, it does too. But even when he tries to speak to the crowd, that mask covers up like more than half of his mouth area. So, if he's going to say something to the crowd, he has to say it audibly loud because you can't read his lips. Right. I I mean these are little things, but yeah, that mask does not help him at all, and and I actually think that the black color scheme is one of the better color schemes. I thought the one that he had on NXT UK, the blue and green looked absolutely ridiculous.
1: No, I I would agree with that.
0: So shall we move on to NXT UK then?
1: Uh, if you'd like.
0: Yeah, I mean you know that that's what we this are here had to a do. lot
1: on the show. I thought I mean I looked up and I went, man, this is like the fifth match on NXT UK, and. Yes, it was like, there was
0: a lot going on in this show.
1: Yeah, uh, the one thing that I popped hard for, I love the pairing of Ginny and Jazzy Gabbert. I
0: yeah, no, I'm a big fan of that. I like those uh, two. That's great. I don't
1: know if you're you're aware of Jazzy's background a little bit. Um,
0: I am. No, I actually was doing stipulation here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Shout out to 2013 Voices of Wrestling. And back then, she was alpha female, Mm -hmm. and I was a big fan of her.
1: Well, she was possibly the breakout star of the people that didn't win the first Mae Young Classic. The crowd loved her and got behind her to the point where uh, they were going to sign her, and then she got a neck injury. And so she had to rehab, and she was out for another year, year and a half. And now she's popping back up here after doing a, doing a short indie run. I always love cocky heel and power heel combination. I I I, I it always works for me. And Ginny.
0: No, she's a perfect foil for alpha female because Ginny is like so slender. Beauty and the Beast. And so when, yes, and when they have these tag matches too, Ginny will be able to sell like bloody murder and then make the tag to alpha female, like the desperation tag. Now, now
1: thank uh, th- God.
0: There's a lot of dynamics. Thank God that Killer they can work Kelly with.
1: left Zia Brookside there to die.
0: Yo, yes, yes. Because
1: yes, if yes, you yes, see yes. a monster, you run. Zaya Brookside, God bless her. She's a sweetheart. She's a pixie. She you know she's she rides unicorns and flies around. She had to die.
0: I'm telling you the airplane and the skipping. Skipping is a gimmick of death for any woman wrestler, but the airplane is very close to the skipping and that's also a gimmick of death. I believe the kind of skipping opinion.
1: she's doing though that's an homage to Paige.
0: Oh. Okay. Um sure.
1: You know but uh but it's like hey we're going to take her on together. Kill her, kill her. <laughs> Kelly goes no thanks.
0: <laughs> she keeps sizing up the situation and then Kelly's like, "Yeah, oh wow, she's getting closer and she's still really large." Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yes, I I have gushed over Ginny enough. I'm I'm very I'm very looking forward to uh hopefully at a takeover being able to see Piper Niven and Jazzy Gabbard go at it. I I think that'll be a lot of fun too.
0: I kind of liked this Jamie Hater. I thought she was fun. Speaking of Paige, <laughs> Hater kind of reminds me a little bit of Paige.
1: I I Boy, she didn't. I, I just looked and went, all right, sacrificial lamb,
0: cool. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, Tony Storm gave a very weird promo to my eyes because, like, the way that promo was delivered, it was as though, who's her upcoming opponent? What's her name? Um, blanking on the name right now. Oh, um, she has the head theme. Yeah,
1: the uh, the the blank blank show. I forgot her name too. Hold on, I'll, I'll get to it. Vamp a little bit. Boy, talk about the interview. Yes.
0: So in the interview, what she was saying is that her opponent has gotten into her head and that so much so that she's going to put the title on the line. And the way that that narrative sort of traditionally flows is that's sort of a fundamental mistake that the heel has gotten the baby face to make. Nina Samuels. Nina Samuels, yeah, no. I had it, I w j didn't want to interrupt. Boom. No, no, I, I, it just popped in my head as I was saying it. So it's as though Nina Samuels got into Tony Storm's head, but I don't think Nina Samuels is going to win the title here, especially with the debut of Jazzy Gabbard, and that's sort of my knock on the Jazzy Gabbard debut this week. I think it gets in the way of the Nina Samuels title match, and if you didn't have Jazzy debut this week and waited until after the Nina Samuels title match, I would have almost nibbled that Samuels had a chance of knocking off Tony no. Storm. Not a huge chance, but I would have nibbled.
1: I well, I I think Nina Samuels is the perfect B villain. She's the one who can lose on a takeover UK television taping. I don't think she was ever going to get set up for a for a takeover. She's she's not at that level just then yet. Then I
0: wouldn't have had Tony Storm deliver the promo in this way. Really? Then. Because, yes, no, I, I wouldn't have. Okay, um, all right. because I I think it makes it takes too much away from Nina Samuels. I. I wouldn't have let Nina Samuels get under her skin this. Oh, much.
1: I would have because I think I think you have to build up these some interest for these NXT UK shows. My issue then,
0: then I'm saying you have to wait for then you have to wait for Gabbard, Then that that's what I'm saying is like if you're talking about building up interest, that's what I'm saying. You're trying to get me to nibble. So if I'm going to nibble, I need to have this belief that Nina Samuels has a chance of knocking off Tony Storm. Not a huge chance, but you need to like make it seem more likely than less likely.
1: This is a weird promo for me because I was watching it, and I really loved it for the first half, and then I hated it by the end. And it was one of those weird things where she was coming off-
0: What made you hate it?
1: Um, it, I'll, I'll get to it. She started out, it seemed very natural, as if she was genuinely annoyed by Nina Samuels, and she was kind of talking about it and being very smooth as opposed to some of the other promos she's given in the ring and stuff. And then you could see the acting notes kick in. Where it's like, ah, ah, you know, that kind of thing going on in terms of being, she had to actually verbalize her annoyance as opposed to just being annoyed by it. It started out as a, you annoyed me and I'm going to hurt you in that ring type of promo. And then it became acting. And then I just kind of went, ah, it was such a, it, it was a big fight promo up until about halfway through, and then it turned into a WWE promo.
0: Then we had Jordan Devlin versus Leggero, and Liguero takes another loss. <laughs> I mean, you know, so some weeks I think the double shot of the wrestler, which seems to be wildly unintended, but just keeps happening and coincide, I think it's cool sometimes. But where it really hurts is if you lose twice in a row. Um, so in my case, you know, I'm watching back to back losses for Liguero and I've lost I mean, I didn't have any interest for this guy, but if there's any chance I was gonna have interest in this guy, that's gone.
1: I didn't believe for a moment he would get into the fatal four way. So nope. I didn't think uh I, I, I kind of
0: And it would have been bad to have him beat Jordan Devlin.
1: And the problem was they were teasing it too. They they were trying to they were trying to make him look good in defeat. And they just it, it was just one of those things where for me, mentally, I'm watching. I'm going, okay. We're giving him this long heat, this long hope spot to make us think that they're gonna put Liguero in this fatal four way, but they're never gonna do that because <laughs> because they don't need him here right now. I mean, it would have been a nice little twist to give him the win over the Irish Ace and put him in there. Um, Devlin continues. Are we doing
0: anything different with Devlin? Are we are we turning him face? No.
1: I don't think so. No. Continues okay, to be I I
0: wasn't that I, I like promo with Radzi. I thought kind of shaded a little bit towards the I'll just fight anybody kind of like gray area. Oh, I thought
1: that was cocky. I thought that was meant to come okay. off as cocky. You know, you don't have a you know a jack, a k- king, or you have an ace and all you know, that goes. You know, it, it's it's that cocky, nobody can beat me. Uh, promo that I thought.
0: I liked this promo with Walter. I thought that this was good. I actually thought this did a good job getting ready for the Pete Dunne and Walter rematch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have anything more to say about that. Walter is being a very, almost too nice babyface at this point. I want to see him be a little bit more stoic, but but I'm fine with him having this level of respect for Pete Dunne.
1: Oh, yeah. Now, mutual respect angles work for guys like Pete Dunne and Walter. If, if they've had a knockdown drag out, the second match can be one of respect.
0: Mustache Mountain does a promo, and I like how Mustache Mountain sort of threads together what's going on with Pete Don, with what they're trying to do right now. And Trent Seven, I know you've talked about this before, but he really is a good promo, and, and he just feels very natural and... Mm-hmm and he knows what his character needs to be saying and what he needs to be talking about and talks about in a way that doesn't feel like Tony Storm going through her acting notes. Trent Seven just knows what he needs to say.
1: Yeah, it's almost like Trent Seven doesn't care about the promo all that much. That it, It's so relaxed to the point of, well, I'm just having a conversation with my mate. And he's just kind of, because he'll always have some weird, funny joke under his breath or something like that that you know probably wasn't, tightly scripted as a raw promo of some sort so he's just winging it and he's yeah no i i i enjoy watching them still wonder about tyler Bates sometimes but uh no and then uh the, the other two matches on here uh i i
0: Dragonov. i'm not really sure how i feel about Ilya Dragonov at this point
1: I like him. I don't like this presentation of him.
0: Yes, I'm speaking strictly about this NXT UK experience here, which was actually my first experience with Ilya Dragunov. I haven't seen him in WXW or other places. Uh, Yeah,
1: he had a... It was
0: almost kind of like Nakamura-y, but like Nakamura from Russia, but too much gimmick. Way too much gimmick,
1: way too much... Yeah. Way too much... uh... I don't want to say genuflection. What's the word I'm looking for? Where he's doing far too appealing many. Appealing
0: to the crowd.
1: He's playing to the back of the room with all these.
0: Uh, Gesticulation. Gesticulations.
1: Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. It, it's way too much. It's way too. I'm trying to get this character over as opposed to I'm trying to get it's me as a too big. Yes, it's way too big. Uh, the contacts. uh not my thing. I know.
0: I I just like I feel like if you pared this down and did some editing, there's a little bit of Kenny Omega going on and not in the good way, in the way that when people are critical of Omega's work, especially back when he was first coming in and doing the you know the buzz saw and the all that gimmick. Um there's a little bit of that going on with Dragon Off and I just need him he's at like 10 or 11 right now and I need him down at 6. You
1: know what it is? I th- think, and this is just me opining out loud. They want to make him seem much larger than he really is. Because he's only five nine. They want to make him seem like a monster. And they're trying to kind of get away from the fact that he's really kind of a smaller guy.
0: But they want him to be Nikita Kol-off. But, but
1: I mean, but I like the I like the fact look, Jack Starr's the guy you put in there and you kill him the first match. Because Jack Starr's great. And he'll sell like hell for your maneuvers. I, I like that. I like Jack Star being the gatekeeper of NXT UK a lot. Um, but yeah, no, Ilya Dragunov's like 5'9", 185 or something like that. So yeah, th- but they wanted to make him seem like he's 6'5", 225, and he's not. But uh, yeah, the the, the
0: that's going to be a problem down the road because of the the way that they're trying to present him. I, I mean, he he does look tough, but I I want him to almost be more like a classic Dean Malenko type. Yeah, but if he does that um, against like a, yeah. a guy
1: like Walter or a guy like uh, Dave Mastiff, you know, the the big guy's going to look at him and go, "All right, flee. You know,
0: right, and just right, right." So I that's what I'm saying. I want him to be a little bit more. Joint targeting. Yeah, you want him to methodical. be a
1: technical killer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Maybe
0: a little crazy, too. Uh, like the crazy technical killer, but a technical killer who who knows how to use his a, energy in a very efficient a way. A New
1: Japan Super Junior circa 1994, 1995 is what you want him to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, especially with who he's working with on this roster, right? When you're talking about the Walters and the Dave Mastiffs and even the Joe Coffees of the world, I think this, you know, big act is going to have a hard time with the actual big acts.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So then we had Dave Mastiff versus Wolfgang. This was really short. Um, I was actually surprised with how short of a match this was. I thought it
1: was really fun, though. I thought it was a yes. fun little sprint. Um, I, the the uh, <laughs> I love that that Scotland is gonna be like Canada for American for for American companies. I love that that Scotland's gonna root for all their heroes, even though they're heels. I I love that it's gonna be like. Uh, it's gonna be like Canada always rooting for uh, Bret Hart, Bret Hart and, and the Hart Foundation, no matter and what. Them. Yeah, yeah and edu- no, yeah, I I'm right. here for that. And it was a ballsy move, and you could see after Mastiff won the match, that kind of chuckle of the amount of heat he was getting from this audience. I I died at that.
0: They need to lean into it a little bit more, even like the some of the best WWF shows from the mid '90s were the ones where they were really aware of Canada. As this place with an alternate energy, yeah. and they would book into that while still staying consistent to the stories they were trying to tell in the United States. Like that's the real mm-hmm. trick. And I think, um,
1: I-, I think they are sowing the seeds for the Coffee Brothers to replace Wolfgang. It-, it feels like
0: that. Yeah, yeah. Wolfgang does feel like the weak link here, but but he's not quite there. But this loss to Mastiff, it did feel meaningful to have him lose in this decisive of a manner. I would have almost been interested, though, to have this go where Wolfgang beats Mastiff in a decisive manner and ends up in the match, and Joe doesn't like that because right. Joe you know, Joe wants this as his kingdom, and I think that's another way you can set up tension. No,
1: I, I, I considered that, and it would have been fine to go there, but I liked giving Mastiff a strong win, too, because he's this been, going a, too. Bit. He's been yeah, going a little bit right. too 50-50 for my taste.
0: No, I'm on board with that as well. No, I I think both of these are viable paths forward, and so I can't say they did the wrong thing here or anything like that. Uh, Want to move on to NXT US?
1: I was not a fan of this show. I really wasn't. I thought they did some fine storytelling and other things, but I, find the, I found the matches lackluster. I did like the angle with the... Uh, with the undisputed era, though, that was the highlight for me. Yeah,
0: I mean, the matches. I mean, what's to talk about here? Keith Lee versus Cesar Bononi, or are we talking about Kushida versus Conor Rears right. Or are we talking? Uh, let, let's yeah. go
1: one by one in order here.
0: Okay, sure. I know. I'm just reading off this card because it's a boring card when you're actually looking at the names on these matches. Mm-hmm. But l- where do you want to begin? Uh, Shall we no, begin with uh, Keith re- Lee?
1: Re- read to me the order of the matches. We'll start so
0: it, it begins with the Street Profits in the ring, um, or actually begins with the Viking Raiders in the ring. They're going to surrender the titles. I like all of this stuff to begin the match, or to begin the show here. They bring out Regal. They're going to relinquish them because no one could beat them, and then out come the Street Profits, and they say, Oh, yeah, well, we actually took you guys to the limit the other week, and we want a shot at them.
1: I, yeah. I liked a lot of this. It just, I, I want...
0: This beat I like what I don't like is what happens later on in the right,
1: show. Right, but but I mean, for I'm, I'm thinking of the promo, and I'm thinking of how it was delivered. I want them to be a little bit more real, cocky, not WWE cocky. You know,
0: there's a problem that this still feels like the Viking Raiders are running away. Right, you know what I mean? Like like there there's something wrong with the energy here of we're now going up to raw to kick a whole bunch of ass but for me it's because we're so busy doing
1: for me it's more montez ford feels like he's just here to have a good time montez ford type of thing i that that was my issue with it it was a little too jokey for my taste but
0: yeah, no, I think both the heels and the babyfaces have an issue here, and I mean part of it is that the Viking Raiders have gone through a face to heel transformation, and then you had the Street Profits bring up the fact that they were the War Raiders, and then the crowds chanting war. I didn't think that was helpful. Right? Just, yeah, I, it's, yeah. It's play, they it's tried playing to get too cannon, cute, which
1: I don't. I don't mind that, but it's like, okay, that was for the, that was fan service. I didn't, that wasn't story service.
0: So then we had Keith Lee versus Cesar Bononi. And you know, like, can we talk about Cesar Bononi here? I think that if you're going to put this much time into this guy and you're going to have him come back from injury and you had him talking kind of positivity stuff on the internet and you have Moro highlighting that you've got to just lean into the relaunch of this guy. And if you're going to bring him back as a heel, then you need to have sort of a decisive way that you're bringing this guy back as a heel, but then he doesn't need to be in the ring here with Keith Lee.
1: I thought Keith Lee looked a bit uh, rusty and a bit slow and they were just, kind. and man, my big fear with Keith Lee is that he's, if he gets called to the main roster, he's going to be our truth having to wrap his entrance that I, I i am i am having nightmares about that right now yeah i just i thought it was a i thought it was a lackluster match in terms of pacing i don't know what it was i don't know if it was ring rust i don't know if it was keith was just tired but it felt like C- cesar was doing all the work and and keith lee would just be there and throw him a bit
0: yeah yeah i, I think just...
1: you skipped a match also
0: did I I was going to talk about Kushida and Kona is that was that next?
1: Was Vanessa born after the, I have after that
0: Kona? I have that after the Kushida match. Okay,
1: okay, my fault then.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we have Kushida versus Kona Reeves <laughs> next. Um Kona Reeves is like a weird mixture of Kazuchika Okada and Hollywood John Tatum.
1: He's Focata. We've we've called him that we, on this show. Yeah, yeah, times. but but
0: there's a little bit of Hollywood John Tatum going yes. on there too.
1: Uh, better gear this week for uh, for Kona, even though even though it looked like he came just straight from any gym in L.A. with the hoodie. Why, why, God's name, are they putting Kashida up against all these big guys and making him go 50-50? He's not having dominant wins over big guys. I know they don't want to push him as a junior. I know he doesn't want to be a junior, but it looks like they're going through the roster and saying... He
0: needs to be annihilating these dudes with high-flying moves, almost great Muda style.
1: Okay, after after the Ono match, he needed one match against a small guy to show you what he could do athletically. That's what he needed. And then you can put him up against Kona Reeves. But Ooh. even
0: Kona Reefs, he should have like blitzed him. Kona Reefs should have yes! thought, "Oh, I'm going to go through this small little guy," and then all of a sudden, Kushida just annihilates him. And Moro's like, "Oh my goodness, I cannot believe that Kushida just did that in a minute thirty, putting over yeah. the time or whatever."
1: He's he's a guy. Kushida is a guy right now with a tw- with a with a great entrance. That's what he is.
0: And, yes, and, and a whole bunch that. of Back to the Future jokes. Which, yes, they're, they're, uh, which is a reference to a thing that five to ten percent of the crowd is hip to, maybe a little bit are, more
1: they are they're not building the guy, they're relying on the goodwill of fan memory that know him to to get him over, and that's not gonna work. You need to talk to people as if they don't know who the hell he is, and it's it i I mean if you're a guy and you're watching that. And you're like, you've seen Japanese superstars come over, and occasionally they've they've dazzled in their debuts, you know, Liger, Muda, I'd even say Atami and and Nakamura even. You're just watching this and going, why should I care about this guy? And I hate to say that because he, I I love Kushida, but the presentation they're giving him right now is just he is a. It's they so gave, lazy. It, it's them, just
0: a very slacking approach.
1: Yes, it's lazy. They gave him a nice video package on the main shows so that you'd go to watch NXT form, And then they gave us this match. And if you're like, that's the guy that they wanted us to tune in to see. I don't see it. And, and that's what I would be thinking if I didn't know. If I hadn't seen any Kushida's New Japan work. And trust me, this company, even though they're in a wrestling war, they should have paid money to some company that Kushida used to work for and made a highlight package of it. Especially and if
0: this is how you're going to present him. Yes. If you're, the way you're going to present him is hinging upon all of the goodwill and prior knowledge from his career. My God. Pay for some video footage.
1: He won these many titles in Japan. He won this. Yeah, well he's pictures. having a problem Pay with for Kona- pictures.
0: Something. He's having a problem
1: with Kona Reeves right now. I don't care about his title wins in other organizations that I've never heard of, etc. Yeah, it just it's 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 almost maddening, but I don't have that much emotionally invested in Kishida.
0: No, I don't either. The Gulak and Kushida match, I'm sure, will be fine, and I'm sure Kushida will prevail in that match. I just, I, I'm not intrigued because it's like to to that point. I'm sure he's going to be Gulak, right? You
1: nailed it. You nailed it. There's no intrigue with the Kushida character at all.
0: No. So Bianca Belair and Mia Yim continued to have a little bit of words outside of Regal's office. I enjoyed Bianca and Kathy Kelly and Bianca dragging Kathy Kelly along. I thought all of that was very funny. And then Belair goes into Regal's office. Um, I'm guessing presumably to get herself into some sort of match with Shayna Baszler. Yeah, and-
1: Kathy Kelly, sneaky, funny. This yes. episode being the yes. straight person, I, she's I, very I, good as the straight person. I, it was almost a service to me when when Bianca asked, "Is the microphone on?" I thought that was clever. Um, I did not like the Mia Yim Bianca Belair interchange because I, I it felt
0: like they're going to become a tag team or something at some point.
1: Well, not just that, it felt almost racially stereotypical to me.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: girl, I'm not you know that that kind of stuff. I I I kind of. I kind of cringed a bit, but overall, I I, I did like that. Bianca's Come character
0: on. hinges a little bit too much on that note, on over and the I, topness. Yeah. yeah, and I and I don't think it needs to. And, and so, yeah, no, it does kind of make me a little. And Mia kind
1: of giving yeah. it. And Mia kind of giving right. it back. When right, you know The that mirroring that from not... Mia.
0: Right, and that's not really Mia's character. It, it hasn't been her character on NXT. Yeah, so. and, but I
1: did like I did like just the joke of. The running joke of Kathy, you coming, Kathy, you come in, then slamming the door on her. I thought that was really neat.
0: Then we had Vanessa Bourne versus Jesse Elabon. Uh Jesse Elbon is very long. She's got G- like yeah. Ginny length.
1: I can go in a bit about um both of them. Uh Jesse Elabon is was in the second Mae Young classic. Uh had an inauspicious debut, but her her promo video was something because She comes off as kind of this geeky nerd character. She was doing something on the Florida loop called the Jesse show where she was kind of like she was almost playing the Bailey super fan character that Bailey originally was. She 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 would get in there in the in the ring and act kind of dorky and clumsy and basically throw her as she put throw her body at people. I think this is an attempt What's her her gimmick?
0: Is she the one who was trying to still learn wrestling? Was that the gimmick with her? I
1: believe so. I'm not not sure. I I I never saw.
0: I heard about that gimmick. I never actually saw it.
1: But yeah, she was kind of doing a talk show on on the Florida Loop, and then, uh, but you know, she was a bit clumsy, and she'd win occasionally. She'd usually get beat. Um, This is, I think, trying to make her over a bit. I like the purple on Vanessa Bourne. Um, I think that outfit is better than the other outfits she's been wearing of late in terms of uh functionality and also not looking like a lingerie model.
0: Yes, yeah, right, right. It's still it it's transitioning to a more functional sport, sport outfit, but slow enough that it doesn't feel like a dramatic shift away from her character or anything like that. But yes, yeah, some of the other outfits, um, they've looked good, but maybe not for wrestling, right?
1: Yes, maybe not for wrestling, maybe for uh some of the prepubescent boys in the audience, uh, I did appreciate that uh, that Aaliyah took the night off from the tilted kilt to come out. Of her
0: work. I kind of like schoolgirl Aaliyah. I thought that it's was just... like a fun, a fun, different presentation of her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, like, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes her outfits, I, I haven't always thought. Have worked great for her, whereas I thought this outfit like well, actually... she's a
1: fashion icon, sure. Right, it works better like with
0: like Vanessa Bourne and what they're trying to do as a package now.
1: I like the I like the hires um, name for the tag team. I think that that's cool. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Aaliyah wearing heels in the ring, though. That I always kind of go, "Oh man, you got to break your ankle doing something like that." But uh, no, I like I like the look, and I like I like if you follow them on social media, they have a nice little interplay. You know, it's basically a Mean Girls gimmick, but it's still a lot of fun.
0: And then we got to our main event, which was the Viking Raiders versus the Street Prophets. And for me, this match did not have the same excitement that the first go-around did. I, it just, it lacked a little something. And then once we brought in Oni Lorkin and the Forgotten Sons at the end of this match, like I was like, oh no, this brought down the tag division in a way because Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch and the Forgotten Sons are not quite there in terms of formidability. So you have the Viking Raiders who kind of tower above all of these three other teams, and when the Viking Raiders lose their titles eventually, sooner rather than later probably, it's going to feel like a bit of a banana peel.
1: If Birch and Lorkin had beaten the Forgotten Sons, sure. I, could, I could see putting them in a title match against... Uh, the street profits for the titles yeah you're right the the you know and and man that uh that forgotten sons promo how about next time we just have all three guys look and go do you know we have the word forgotten in our name because that's what people do with us they forget they forget the forgotten sons because they're supposed to be forgetful forget 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 they
0: forget. don't want to have a memory but we're gonna make a memory because we're gonna be forgotten no more so you'll remember us and that's how we make a yeah. memory
1: yeah <laughs> yeah that's all they ever say that's all they it's like all right whatever dude you know um
0: and you were yeah, ragging I- on me for trying to thread the beatdown of the viking raiders last week with the whole thing of them not being remembered remember it's all they ever talk about
1: how come nobody ever remembers us
0: <laughs> you remember yeah, that beatdown I, from last week? At least that gives them a go-through line.
1: Well, the beatdown got ridiculous, too, because I'm yep. watching and it looked like Lorkin and Birch came out to help the Street Profits fend off the Forgotten Sons. And then all of, and then all of a sudden, the Viking Raiders decide to start beating on R- Birch and Lorkin, who are just trying to stop this match from being a cluster. So it made no sense to me. I know that all teams are supposed to hate each other at all times. I get that. Don't get me wrong. But watching that, I was just like, no, they're just trying to get the Forgotten Sons out of there so that the Street Profits can have their match. Why are you attacking Danny Birch? And then most of the good moves were done against Birch and Lorkin as, as, you know, they, right. they did get the by the Viking Raiders, Raiders so, who yeah. are
0: going to lose the titles against these lesser I, teams.
1: I took the end of that show to mean that they had basically vacated them.
0: I, I don't know I think there's still going to be some sort of match where Does they end like up they losing laid, the it titles it looked like they
1: laid them down on the mat and they bowed and I think that would be the sign that they're done but
0: uh wow okay so then let's go back to the undisputed era angle because this to me was the most interesting thing on the show I, I think you're absolutely right mm-hmm. so did Roderick Strong actually beat up Matt Riddle or what <laughs> I don't know.
1: Um, it'd be interesting. If, it's even more interesting if he's lying.
0: Are they in cahoots?
1: If they're if he's in cahoots and he's helping Johnny and Matt Riddle, that becomes interesting to me.
0: Right, um, because then you can have a three on three with Adam Cole and Red Dragon versus Johnny, Roddy, and Matt Riddle at some point. But that
1: also turns Roddy into the Paul Orndorff of NXT. Or you just don't know if he's going to ever stay face or if he's going to turn on you.
0: That's okay. okay. Honestly, is that is that a bad thing for someone like Roderick Strong where Roddy is on the card? Um, I think that actually makes him good for title. Because they don't want to put the belt on Roddy, right? You never actually want to put the main belt on Roddy. But this allows him to occupy... In the upper mid-card tier where he can go and challenge for the North American title. If you want to put the North American title on him at various points, you can as either a face or a heel. And then if you want to put him into the main title hunt, you can do that with that little wrinkle of you never know what Roddy's going to do. I, I, I kind of like that for him.
1: I guess I'm coming at it from the, uh, from the angle of they did such a great job making him such a white meat baby face with those vignettes.
0: I agree. I agree.
1: And that they still never really pulled the but trigger on that heel because heel they as well. th- because they found they found Johnny Gargano as, as the guy that they probably should have made Roddy into.
0: I also think he works better matches as a heel than as a babyface. Yeah, the
1: backbreaker is I mean being master of the backbreaker is is a heel thing because babyfaces shouldn't be sadistic. In some way. So, yeah, no. I agree. Well, if you think-
0: break the heels back, they don't have that ability to kind of tower over you and be menacing because their back's hurting. No, but you it's, know it's what a I'm very saying. Bad- it, it, no, it's- no, no, no. I, no, I know what you're saying. That's why I'm, I'm building off of it. I'm saying that, like, targeting the back as a baby face on a heel leaves the heel with very limited places to go if they're going to have to start selling their back. Right. That's all I'm saying. No, I, I, I'm concurring with you. But, but I, I also, I mean, I agree. They've done a nice job explaining Roddy as a babyface and all the stuff with his family. And I guess they can turn back on that. I, they can get back to the idea of Roddy realizing that Adam Cole's not such a great guy. I do think that's kind of where they're going with this. And there's an interesting wrinkle with Kyle O'Reilly. He keeps doing interesting reactions to all of these moments.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if they're ever going to get him away from Bobby Fish or partners and kind of explore him as a solo character.
0: I hope they do. I really like Kyle O'Reilly.
1: Yeah, he's shown. I mean, I, I like him a lot more in NXT than I did on the indies, oddly enough.
0: Anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? You want to talk a little bit about the Tom McGee match? I know you talked about that on Tuesday, but I also watched this.
1: Um, it's... It's an interesting part of my fandom because I had heard about it, you know, when it happened on Rec Sport Pro Wrestling, and then it became a thing of legend later. Um, I, I think they did kind of a disservice to Cole Cabana, who's really the guy who was obsessed with getting this from the vault, because you can get any match in WWE history from 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 their vault. You just have to ask for, you know, what matches you want and they'll send you um, they'll they'll send you a DVD of it, and they always said they never had it. Um, you know it it's a it's a back and forth kind of uh what you would call a match versus a jobber to the stars, but the jobber to the stars here is Bret Hart, who He's is the still, actual star who is with uh, the Hart Foundation at the time, and he does a tremendous carry job. Um, I've I've seen matches with Tom McGee, with uh, Arn Anderson, and Ted DiBiase. And I believe, I believe I've seen one with Tim Horner, but don't get me wrong. And and McGee's a guy, looks great, and then, re- you realize he doesn't have a lot of technical prowess. He'll do, you know. Yeah, the what happened stuff. with
0: the grooming of him? Because I feel like that's the part in this documentary that they glossed over with the story. I think getting McGee was great, and then when McGee finally speaks, I didn't feel like I got the complete tale as to. Why they never looked at, okay, this guy can do backflips, this guy can do the equivalent of a shooting star press if only you teach him how to finish out the splash. Why can't they put it together with this dude? And and I didn't get the full tale of that out I, of this documentary. I
1: tend to think I tend to think it's a it's a bit like a Dana Bro Brook problem. It's a okay, we have him on this roster, we have him signed. We'll have him work the road, and if he learns, he learns. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And I think they were expecting him to learn on the road with all these great veterans, putting him in the ring with them. And I'm, you know.
0: But then they, you know, also they said in the documentary they only had so many Bret Hart's and Ted DiBiases for him to work with.
1: That's part of it, but the other part is the DiBiases and the Bret Hart's weren't charged in teaching tom mcgee they were there to be professionals and get paid and do their own matches and whatever they weren't there to necessarily go to the arena before the show and work out with tom mcgee for three hours on the technical aspects of wrestling i think it was one of those things where it was kind of a mercenary mentality and tom mcgee didn't learn and he was expected to do the learning on his own as opposed to having a teacher and he just fell by the wayside
0: and that's too bad cuz you could see obviously where he's not very good. He has issues throwing in a dropkick, but then you see moments where he clearly can do things. And yeah, uh, unfortunately, this guy never was able to put it together. Interesting to finally see him though and finally see this match. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a totally fine match, you know, like I think all the starcast panel's going to
1: be very interesting with those two. I, I it can be very interesting or it will run out of material in about 10 minutes. Because yeah, what are you going to yeah, say? Yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I think that there's still a lot of things left to ask Tom McGee about his time on the road because we still know so little about him.
1: I feel bad for Tom McGee.
0: I do as well.
1: Because it's one of the not not just because his career didn't pan out, but he's also you know, you got that stigma. It's it's like having that it's like being Byron Russell and having
0: I was thinking like being Bill Buckner or something.
1: Well Buckner I Buckner was the example I used as well. But it's not that devastating but it is devastating to have you know you're in a match with the guy who became a star and you were supposed to be the star and that's all people will ever know you for you didn't have your own career and and that i feel bad about he's used as a punchline of sorts for talking about how great brett hart became
0: he's like a christian leitner type figure oh, where christian? there's a lot of hype yeah, 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 a lot of hype of him coming, yeah, and the- he kind of flamed out in the actual NBA.
1: Okay, well, I'd, I'd take that shot in over Kentucky any day of the week.
0: Well, I mean, I'm sure Christian Laettner would have traded that shot for a really robust 15-year career in the NBA. But know He's you know. on the
1: Dream Team. He always has that over Shaq. Yeah,
0: they, <laughs> they also used to clown him pretty hard on the Dream Team. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. he, he was a bit of a punchline when he finally actually got into the big league. People wanted to make a statement over Landry. Anyways, that, that's that's all I was getting at. Um, but, yeah, interesting. We watched that, so now we've talked about that. And I think we're done talking about wrestling for right now. And yep. we'll get back to you guys when we watch Money in the Bank. In the interim, my name's Chris Novembrino. His name's Jeff Hawkins. You can find me at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. Jeff Hawkins at C-R-A-P-G-A-M-E-1-3. Crap Game 13. You can find us at Shake Them Ropes on Twitter and, of course, subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can subscribe to Don't Worry About the Government, my other show, by going to don'tworry.tv or by searching for Don't Worry About the Government on iTunes and Stitcher. And my other, other show is the All in the Family podcast. We just started season three and look for that on iTunes and Stitcher, the All in the Family podcast. Jeff, anything you want to plug? And if you everything? don't have
1: enough audio for this weekend... Oh, yes,
0: the Patreon.
1: You can go to the Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can hear our reviews of the Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler Angle. You can hear us do a live watch of Battle Bowl 1992. Uh, our retrospective on the great Muda and... Um, Hakushi. I forgot. I didn't want to say Jinsei Shinshaki because I don't think that's the correct name. <laughs>
0: no, I, I think that is the right name, but okay. I always have a hard time getting it. Like, I, I feel like I get vowels confused sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: a couple other shows up there uh, of audio. We had, a, we had a live watch of a WCW Saturday night. It's only for a, a buck a month. Uh, we may or may not be able to get to that this weekend because this is a pay-per-view weekend and we need to pace ourselves. But uh, other than that, uh, we might see you Tuesday or we might just go back to one show a week.